The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, from the earliest times, sport has been part of human culture. For those who play, the skills of field and court are often contributing to the development of the whole person. And this morning, we're very happy to have some folks in the studio who think about sport most of the time, I think. Um, Michael Curlis is the director of Acadia Fire. Welcome to you, Michael. Uh, good morning. And we, um, Michael brought with him um, uh, Simon Hulbert, who is a, a, a player and a coach from Bar Harbor. Welcome to you, Simon. Good morning. And Leela, um, I haven't got it right, Lilia? Yeah. Lilia um, uh, uh, Weir from Bar Harbor. Welcome to you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourselves um, before we get started with the, with the interviews. Um, uh, you first, Michael. What's your what's your background? What led you to to soccer? Before we talk about Acadia Fire. Well, I started playing soccer as a young person in California, and uh, played uh, travel teams. Eventually, went to Europe and played for a couple of years before uh, attending college, mm-hmm. and getting degrees. So you've you've kept that interest in, in, in but you're a physician by by I'm training a psychologist. psychologist. Okay, yeah. so you've got you've got your professional work, but this is something that you've kept alive. It's definitely, uh, I think you could say it's kept me alive. Yeah, because yeah. it keeps me young and active and engaged in the community in ways that other activities probably wouldn't do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and turning to uh, Simon, Simon, you're a, a student at USM. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your own background and what led you to soccer. Well, actually, I've been playing my whole life mm. as well. Um, it's really been my, I don't know, my biggest method of stress relief, uh-huh. I like to think. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, um, played all the way through middle school up to high school, and now I'm playing at USM. It's a lot of fun. Really liking it. Great. Well, we'll come back to you in a few minutes to talk about your experience with Acadia Fire. And right. Leah, how are you doing? What, what's your Good. connection? Um, well, I started Acadia Fire when I was about seven, seven so yeah. I've been playing a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And how does that, um, how do you kind of balance that with the rest of studies and, and the rest of your life? Um, well, it takes up a lot of my time, but uh-huh. um, it's yeah. good. And when you came into it, um, was um, did your family always uh, participate in sports? So this yeah. was something kind of that followed from your family experience? Yeah. Great. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the origins of uh, Acadia Fire, Michael. Um, what led to um, its creation about uh, 10 years ago? Well, uh, Jim Fox and I uh, were having Thanksgiving dessert. Hmm. And in 
hanging out together, we realized that uh, there was a lot of interest in soccer on MDI and this community, and that we needed to create some organization that would help uh, the local players have more soccer opportunities. Mm. Hmm. So and bo- so both of you were soccer um, enthusiasts. Yes, yes. We, uh, at the time, we were doing a thing called family soccer, where on Sundays uh, families would just get together uh, at Pematic in Southwest Harbor and just play for two hours. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, one ball. Sometimes you know, sometimes it was like fifteen on fifteen, just running around having a great time. And from that evolved uh, actually KDFI. Mm. So it's a nonprofit organization with the board of directors. Yes, this last year we became an official five hundred one c three. And um, tell us a little bit about um, what what is distinctive about it. What what makes it a different kind of program than you might see elsewhere? Do you think? Well, I think uh, several things. One is that we really uh, our mission is to offer the highest level coaching uh, experience for the players. So so I have an A license. The coaches that participate are all getting their licenses so that the players do get the, the best coaching, the best training. Mm. Um, we like to think that any player who joins our program, if they apply themselves, can have a chance to play at the highest levels, mm-hmm. college, high school, professional perhaps. And we've had players play at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. The other element is that we're very affordable. For an elite sports program, we um, charge a, you know, very low tuition compared to other clubs, and uh, we don't turn anybody away. So we have a scholarship program for any player who wants to join uh, the club. Mm. So um, Lydia started when she was in seventh grade? Uh- when I was when, seven. When, when she, she was seven, so that's probably towards the, the lower end of the age scale. Now we start with players who are five. Uh-huh. Okay. So yeah. tell, tell, describe your program overall, kind of a summary of the, of the program. Well, and you, you go from um, young players to adults, and you kind of help with, with coaching, too, to help people become coaches. Yeah, so our primary uh, programs are teams. Mm-hmm. So in the fall, we have travel teams. And in the uh, winter, spring, we have premier teams. So from ages U11 through U18, currently, we have uh, teams that play against the, uh, the best teams in Maine mm. and even in uh, regional tournaments. And you try out for those teams, and they train two to three times a week. But we also offer uh, extensive skills academy programs. So if you're new to the sport or you're younger, you can have a way to get into our program and learn uh, the skills needed to play at a higher level. So we have players coming in to our program at, at all ages, mm-hmm. and it's never too late mm-hmm. to join all, a KDFI. All ages and probably all skill levels. At all skill levels, right. exactly. Right. So we really want to cater to everybody and give everybody a chance to you know, fulfill their you know, athletic goals. Sure. And what goes into becoming um, a, a coach that has those kind of qualifications? What's your, what's your training and your, and your other uh, coaches' training? Well, we, there's a, a national licensing coaching courses mm-hmm. that runs from uh, F through A. Mm-hmm. And so uh, two years ago, I, I received my A license uh, in Florida, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a national uh, exam. It's very intensive. Mm, mm. Uh, but and the other coaches are working on their, their Ds, and, you know, they kind of just work your way up year mm-hmm. after year. Um, 
And it seems like um, you, in your literature, um, your website and so on, you talk about a, a coaching philosophy. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think that's the other thing that makes our sports program unique and that we really uh, emphasize respect for all the players, you know, regardless of uh, the score of a game, regardless if uh, you think a player is doing well or not. Uh, it's important that everybody's treated well. You know, we don't, what we say is, uh, what I tell all the coaches and, and even remind parents that we don't want to use shame, guilt, mm-hmm. or anger to motivate players. You know, it's a, it, soccer is fun. Mm. It's a game. Mm. You know, it's self-motivating. You know, you just roll the ball out and people start smiling and, and running around. And, and, if, you, and if they're not, then you're, there's probably something wrong with your practice or something the coach is doing mm. if there isn't that enthusiasm. Mm. So it's been a big, uh, it's been a big uh, emphasis mm. over the years. And I think it's really benefited our program because I think our players tend to play – um, at, at a really high level, in part because they're comfortable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they feel safe, and they can they feel comfortable expressing themselves mm-hmm. on the field. Because you know, pressure can inhibit performance, mm. and all that kind of yelling and and you know, anger and stuff can actually it might you might get a small bump in performance in the moment, but overall, you're probably going to create a player that's a little more inhibited, a little uh, less likely to fully, you know, uh, demonstrate their full talents. Mm. And did, did you get that as a, as a, a player? Um, and how was that, how was that uh, your experience influenced your philosophy? Well, I grew up with your, 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 your typical mm-hmm. sports environment where mm-hmm. everybody would freak out on the sideline and the bottom line was winning. And, and I could see how that affected me and, and, and my teammates. And then later... Um, I, you know, received a lot of education in psychology and learned uh, many other ways to improve motivation besides mm-hmm. these kind of negative emotional events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of married my experience with my education mm-hmm. to create uh, the current, you know, Katie Fire philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so you, your earlier uh, soccer experience started in Europe, or um, you ha- you had that influence in Europe. And is there a, a difference between what you experienced in Europe and what, what was happening here in the United States at that time? Well, I went to Europe uh, before many people went to Europe to play mm-hmm. soccer. I was mm-hmm. probably one of the first high school seniors to skip college and go straight to Europe. Mm-hmm. And I did that because we didn't have a professional league here at the time, the former uh, – and this NASL had uh, folded. And, and yeah, I mean, Europe, soccer is life. Um, it's the most popular sport. In the 80s, when I went to Europe, soccer was just, we didn't even have a professional league. So in, the U- in the U.S. In the U.S. Right. So right. It's, it's, a, it's a huge cultural difference in how people talk about the sport. Mm. And the fact that, you know, in Europe, everybody has played or knows somebody that's played and it's just a much more it's – it's an easier conversation to have with folks. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. when I was younger, it was like, you played what? And you don't play baseball? Or what? You know, it was still fairly new mm-hmm. in the area. So um, – and I'll involve uh, Simon and Lydia about uh, this too. Um, the fluidity of soccer is probably similar in, in um, sport to hockey or to basketball. There's always movement versus baseball and football, which is very chunked up. 
And and so talk about the fluidity of, of the game. Um, what's, what's that like to play? Um, how long are the, the halves, basically? Well, the halves depend on the age. Okay. So yep. they're shorter if you're younger, but in the professionals play 45-minute halves. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, in part why soccer is so popular, especially for children. Mm-hmm. It's because you you never stop moving. Right, right. You're, oh, you know, 22 people are running around all the time. Yeah. And there's very few breaks, which actually makes it hard for the U.S., market because you know we're all about fitting commercials in somewhere <laughs> and it's sure, harder to sure. in a soccer match so right, it, it, right. it kind of goes against you know the marketing element uh-huh. but they i think they figured that out uh-huh, uh-huh. simon what what attracted you to the game um to to the, the the sport itself you know i just really love how i don't know i feel like with soccer you get more of like a creative aspect like there's so many things that you can do with a soccer ball mm-hmm. compared to a hockey puck mm-hmm. or a basketball. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah. In controlling controlling the ball, you've got lots of different parts yeah. of the body to use exactly. in doing that, right? Yeah, right. exactly. And um, I also love how you know at like the high school level they do stop the clock, but at the professional level it runs for 45 minutes straight, and uh-huh. then you get a 20 minute break, and right. then it's another 45 minutes. Sure. So there's just nonstop action yeah. pretty much. And yeah. I don't know. I love that. What were what were your some of your first memories of, of playing soccer or playing soccer with Acadia Fire? You know, um, my first memories. Well, I remember when we didn't have a facility and we were actually in one of the um, middle school gyms on MDI, and I remember practicing goalie. We would take those big, like fluffy gym mats and like lie them on the ground and I'd practice diving because <laughs> I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to do it on the hardwood right, floor. Right, so. right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. And how about you, Lilia? What's, what's your experience? What do you remember first about soccer? Um, well, we still traveled around to different gyms across the island and um, some of the kids that I played with I still play with now. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really cool to see other kids my age playing soccer mm. because not a lot of kids from my school played. And what were um, what were some of the, the skills that you first remember learning? What was what what do you remember about the lessons themselves? The- um, well, like turning away from pressure, like rollbacks, and then um, attacking moves to get past a defender. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And all, all all while you're controlling the ball. Yeah. 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 What else What else would you tell um, um, another kid? Um, interested in playing soccer about the sport what what do you like about it most um probably um uh well i really like playing with my friends uh-huh. because that makes it a lot more fun sure and um yeah the game never stops so i can always like get into it and continue to play so one of my first um you know kind of um pictures in my mind is with little kids playing soccer and of course, when little kids play soccer, they're always just following the ball. They have probably no um, training, and it's like a herd of ducklings following that ball. So when did when did that begin to say, "Oh, that isn't the way the game is played. We've got you know we've got a different way of playing." Did that did that uh, Do you remember that that change in how you played soccer, Simon? I feel like the point where I started like I don't know taking it more seriously and like really focusing on my technique and tactics and whatnot. Probably was, like, my seventh grade year, uh-huh. middle school. Uh-huh. 
But um, the thing is, is that with little kids, like, getting them out there and playing, it's really just developing a love sure, for the game. Sure. And the kids love nothing more than going right, out and kicking right, a ball around. Right. It, it, yeah, I wasn't making a judgment. I was just saying that's what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. And, some, and somehow it, it then that does. begins to shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll just remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking with folks from Acadia Fire Soccer Academy or Acadia Fire Football Club, if you'd prefer it that way. Michael Curlis is here. He's the director of Acadia Fire, a nonprofit um, based in um, Mount Desert Island and, and Trenton. Um, Simon Holbert from Bar Harbor and Lilia Weir from Bar Harbor, um, both players. And Simon, you're actually uh, doing some coaching uh, for Acadia Fire. Yes. So what, what, when did that transition happen for you? Well, um, I'm actually minoring in coaching right now. Okay. And at, at USM. Yes. Okay. And um, I approached Michael this fall about if he had any internship opportunities for uh-huh. me so I can, you know, get a head start. Sure. And um, I actually currently have my F license, which is very easy to obtain. It's uh-huh. just a quick online course. Yep. It doesn't take much time. But, um, yeah, I love it. It's very different. Um, it's great working with kids mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just seeing how they're developing and improving and all the potential that some have. So did you did you gain a kind of a sense of wanting to to be a coach from your experience? Do you remember anything that, that began to um, tickle your brain and said, that's, that's something I want to do? I mean, like I know that I'm not good enough to play at a high level and I just can't really imagine my life without soccer. So uh-huh. I thought yeah. coaching is a great way to stick with it and sure. still be playing and, yeah. you know, yeah, be and, involved. And what's, what's USM's program? What other courses are you taking besides doing this as kind of an internship? Um, for coaching? Yeah, or, yeah. Well, I'm also majoring in sports management, so I'm taking, like, marketing classes and whatnot, all that, all that jazz. But um, uh, next semester I'm actually taking a specific soccer coaching class. And, um, yeah, that's I, – I really haven't had any, like, coaching-specific class. Like, okay. the, the requirements for the minor aren't that complicated. Right, right. And do you sense that um, there's a compatibility between what you've learned from Michael and his colleagues and what you're engaged in at USM? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. What, um, are, what are some of those – what are the, some of those meshing, meshing kind of elements to, for you? Um, well, Michael's taught me a lot about, like, creating practice plans and, like – how, like, I don't know. There's actually a lot that goes into every practice, mm-hmm. and you have to make sure that you're focusing on key components so to get max development out of your players. Mm-hmm. And that's so also just describe a, a practice session that you might have put together uh, for Acadia Fire. Well, you would start with the warm up, obviously, and that's usually just like, you know, one, two touch passing, and then you'll build, move into build up play, and then. In the end, you'll go into like small-sided games and then into a big game uh-huh. for the end of practice. Yeah. And how many um, students or players would you have in a practice? Um, is that the, uh, similar to a, um, a side on a, on, a, on a match? Or Well, it, it really depends like how many players. Like if we have 24 players on the team, then all mm-hmm. of them are going to be playing. Right. But um, like the ideal size on a full soccer field would be 11 v 11, as realistic as possible. But... We rarely get that. We'll usually have either more or under. Yep. It's hard to get the perfect amount. Sure. Michael, so you what, what's your hope in terms of bringing uh, people together? You, you have, have uh, people coming from a pretty broad area. Um, ha- you say you, you'd like to have them on, uh, on site a couple times a week? 
Well, I think that's another unique aspect of the program is that we do draw from so many different communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we first moved here, you know, we lived in Southwest Harbor, and it seemed like the communities, you know, were based around the town that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And uh, now with the club, and we draw from 33 different towns, and there's a real sense that we're a down east community now, that it's not Ellsworth MDI, it's not Ball Harbor Southwest, mm-hmm. it's, it's just all of us having friendships together. Mm. You've even seen that in the, at the, even some of the high school games between Ellsworth and MDI that used to be so contentious right. and intense. Right. You know, giving each other high fives, helping each other out because they're friends. Now. Sure. Because sure. there's a connection um, that happened through Acadia Fire. So that community building's always been a big part of it. Mm. It wasn't why we did it, but it certainly has been an important mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, players come in the teams train two to three times a week, but we also have a, a soccer fit program. Mm-hmm. So for players like uh, Simon was part of it, Lily is a part of it now, they can come in for an extra two days a week after school, do uh, more advanced skill training as well as an hour fitness mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a professional fitness instructor, Alex Johnston. Mm. He does an excellent job. And in fact, the uh, the three uh, graduating players last year that did soccer fit all play in college this year. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's had a huge impact on their soccer development. So again, we're trying to meet the needs of the community. Mm-hmm. So if you you know some players can only do once a week mm-hmm. because they have mm-hmm. other commitments to athletics or or uh, you know uh, music or mm-hmm. theater, and so they come once a week. Mm-hmm. And then some come four to five to even six times a week. Mm-hmm. And so this seems to imply a pretty strong um, parent commitment to this whole thing because of transportation, if you're drawing from 33 communities. So what, what is it about um, that, that parent connection that you found in, in putting together Acadia Fire? Well, I think, you know, travel sports involves travel. Right, right. You know, you're just not going to get away without traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't own big buses that we can right. carry everybody around. We don't have those kinds of resources. Um, but we are pretty family friendly. And especially in the spring, a lot of our games happen at one location. So if you have multiple kids in the program, you can all go down. Uh, usually we go down to uh, kind of Rockland area or Camden area uh-huh. and uh, play uh, a bunch of games in a morning afternoon with all the age groups, and uh-huh. then they go home. Okay, sure. So we've tried to simplify right. uh, the travel piece right. so that families aren't all separated out yep. and chasing each other. Sure. And I suppose that during the normal week of practice, um, if you've got multiple players um, from each of those communities, the carpooling opportunities are, are possible. So to, there's to a do. lot of carpooling. Right. You know, I think our families, you know, I think the, the 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 atmosphere of the team that we try to create, the atmosphere of respect and appreciation appreciation for the game, the focus on development, I think it spills over into the families mm-hmm. that they are more relaxed. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. not all tense, and, and they're having a, a nice time. So they like going to practice. Right. I don't think it's a negative experience. And right. a lot of them enjoy watching their kids develop and get better. 
Yeah. So um, I've I've kind of framed this as uh, you're, yes, you're developing soccer skills, but you're also developing people. Um, you know, how do you how do you see that happening? Because you've been at it for a while, um, and you've got graduates of your program. Um, what would you talk about the the development of the whole person through soccer? Well, I think you know s- sports can be such a great way to uh, learn so many life lessons. Mm-hmm. I've probably learned most of my most important life lessons Mm -hmm. somewhere near a soccer ball. (laughs) Sure. Sure. You know, in terms of uh, patience, in terms of overcoming adversity, in terms of social skills, assertiveness, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. soccer has really been a place of of great learning. Mm. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we – uh, uh, discovered early on uh, after starting Acadia Fires, parents were telling us that, you know, their kids were happy with soccer and they were getting better, but also their grades went up and they focused more on their music mm. and they had more social confidence. It's almost like if you raise the self-esteem one area, it was raising in other areas as well. Mm. So we actually started calling that the Acadia Fire Effect, which, uh-huh. for lack of a better word. Great. Simon, do you, <laughs> does that ring true for you in terms of your life and your experience, either yourself or, or the, the friends that you have at, at Acadia Fire? Definitely. I mean, when I was 11, when I first started AFFC in their first year, like I had like a pretty small group of friends that I spent a lot of time with. But um, once I started AFFC, all of a sudden there were all these kids around me that mm. were all the same age as me. They all love soccer just as much as I did. Uh-huh. So I ended up making a lot of friends. And then throughout the le- years, um, I feel like I learned a lot of great leadership skills through AFFC. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that notion that um, when you're playing, um, uh, you played in high school as well? Yes. So when, when you were encountering um, the people that you learned with at Acadia Fire, but you now saw them on an opposing team, um, what was that like? Um, it was pretty special. I mean, like, I, I love the competition. It uh-huh. was great um, because obviously, like, we're trying to do better than our friends. Sure, but sure. At the same time, we're both like, hey, good job. Like, right, right. Yeah. Leah, what's your experience in terms of if you remember some of the, the first days um, with the Katie Fire and how you're feeling now? What, do you see any difference? Um, well, I get so excited to go to, like, all practices and games. And, like, it gives me something to look forward, like, when I'm sitting in a class at school. Yep. Um, but uh, I think it's been the same for a while because mm-hmm. I just really like playing. Mm. And you say you've, you've either had friends that you already knew or you've developed friends yeah. through the program. I've mostly developed new friends because uh-huh. not a lot of, like, my other friends from school play soccer. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of friends from other places. Right, that right. Great. Well, I'll remind listeners that to tune to Talk of the Towns, um, we're going to open up our phone lines and um, ask for your um, comments or your questions or your experience of either playing soccer or coaching um, or being the parent of a soccer player. Give us a call at 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. And share your experience with Michael Curtis, who's the director of Acadia Fire, with uh, Simon Hulbert and Lilia Ware, from both from Bar Harbor. I wanted to uh, share uh, my favorite, some of my yeah. favorite memories. Great, please. Acadia Fire. Well, one of them involves uh, Simon. Uh, so when we started Acadia Fire, uh, 
when Simon started Katie Fire in the earlier years, as well as my daughter and my son, we lost every game for two years. Mm. Mm. Uh, people don't. People now would would be really surprised to hear that because some teams haven't lost maybe one game in two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, so but but a couple of years ago we went to a tournament and our U eighteen team, which Simon was on, uh, we won our first tournament. Mm. So that was a big milestone. Mm. Mm. Uh, so you were, were – was that because um, you were up against uh, teams that had been playing together for a longer period of time? Well, I mean, I mean we, we were new. They mm-hmm. were more established. But we're also – this is a rural environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a lot of people around mm-hmm. here compared mm-hmm. to – you know, we're, you know mm-hmm. in club soccer, you don't have divisions based on demographics. Okay, right, right. Uh, so we play Portland. We play Augusta. We play Bangor, and and there's no, you know, they can pull from so many more uh-huh. players. Right, right. So it's just taken us a while to develop the players we have, you know, to the level to uh, mm. to compete at these higher. Mm. So what was what was the message that you had, um, you know, match after match, you know, you didn't end up on the scoreboard winning. What was your message to to your players at that? Well, point? the thing there was no message. You know, it, it was. You, you know, didn't we, have to make a message. We didn't have to. You know, we would play uh-huh. and we would lose, uh-huh. and then the kids would, after the game, grab soccer balls and go shoot for now. <laughs> like sure, the enthusiasm, sure, sure. because you know it was never the point. Uh-huh. You know, the point right. was just to have fun and learn and, right. and make friends right. and have a good time. And and the kids, it, we didn't make a big deal of the losing, and so they never made a big deal uh-huh. of losing. The parents, right. and there, you know, there's a few families here and there over the years that, who cared about it. But mostly it was just about the experience. And I can still remember our first victory. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. two years ago, we, we went up and played Ellsworth Travel Club, and we, we won. And we had, like, three different age groups. We were co-ed. And, you know, it was just a good time. And uh-huh. they did, like, a victory lap, the kids. And the parents were so relieved, but the kids really, it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was just soccer, and soccer is fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Lily, do you have any favorite memories of, of, of a match? Well, um, we this past fall, our my team won their first tournament in New Hampshire, I think, uh-huh. and that was really fun because we all played well, and then the final was in the rain, and uh-huh. that's a lot more fun. <laughs> than... So, um, w- was playing in the rain harder? Uh, yeah, because the ball moves a lot quicker, and yep. it, you can slip a lot easier, but it's also a lot more fun because it's... Um, like cold and wet and everybody's in it together somehow yeah. so yeah it becomes fun that way yeah. yeah simon how about you do you have any particular favorite memories of of uh, playing uh, i mean michael took the words out of my mouth uh-huh. definitely like my last game ever with afc was that game uh-huh. and hoisting the first trophy ever for katie fire was really special uh-huh sure but, um, sure yeah going off what lelia said um, playing in the rain definitely makes it better, <laughs> but as a goalkeeper, it's also a goalie's nightmare. Uh, so you were a goalkeeper? Yes. Uh-huh, yes. uh-huh. So that, um, you know, you, Michael says that you don't want a lot of pressure in, in uh, soccer matches, but the goalie really does have a lot of pressure. It does. I mean, one mistake and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how, so um, you mentioned that, that uh, early on in, the, in, the, in our program here that soccer was a way of relieving pressure, um, how did you cope with that kind of dual thing that, that soccer as a, as a sport helps you take care of pressure that you have in your life, but the, the position of goalie has a lot of pressure? What's the balancing act for you? It's like a different type of pressure, Okay, I feel like. Yeah. Um, like all the 
overwhelming stress just like goes away and then the type of pressure in soccer is more like okay if i get through this this 90 minutes it's Mm -hmm. gonna be the best feeling ever Mm -hmm. and then you do and it's like oh that was awesome well i mean i could imagine um because i haven't played any sport for a long time that um, the pressure that you're feeling in the life is often stuff that you can't necessarily control. Yeah, exactly. Right? But with your your position as goalie, you have a set of skills that you've practiced and practiced and practiced. Exactly. So you're using some things that you know to control what you can. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. How about your position? What what do you play, Leah? Um, I play center mid. Uh huh. And what does that mean? Because I'm uh, not sure. I I understand it, and maybe our listeners don't understand, but they probably understand goalie. Yeah. So, so um, there's defense and there's offense, mm-hmm. and I'm just in the middle of them, like connecting. Okay. Yeah. And so I um, help both defensively and offensively. So as a defensive player, what, what what's your what's your main idea? What's your goal? Um, don't let them score. Uh huh. Yeah. To stop the ball and um, uh, play it out of pressure and bring it up the field. So what's playing out of pressure for you? What does that um, mean? Making the safe pass uh-huh. or playing backwards. and um, So slowing things down so yeah. that you're kind of in control of the ball and the, and the yeah. situation. To yep. gain control of uh-huh. the game. Yep. Yep. And how about, is that different for your position when you're kind of helping with the offense? Yeah. Uh, when we're attacking, usually... Um, Everyone's just trying to go forward instead mm-hmm. of, and um, it's a little bit more hype or I don't know, but um, it's more fun uh-huh. than playing defense, uh-huh. I think. Yeah, because you're moving towards your goal, yeah. the, the goal that you want to play in. Michael? Well, I just want to add, I think, uh, you know, Lelia's story is a perfect, you know, uh, story for Katie Fire. I mean, she started off when she was seven. Uh-huh joining the club we were playing on uh you know in basketball gyms on wooden floors and right. just learning skills and playing a couple times a week not, not a lot of pressure and just every year getting better we haven't always had enough uh, girls in our program to make teams so we just add them to the boys team mm-hmm. so lelia spent most of her time playing on boys teams mm-hmm. so that tournament that she won was actually a boys tournament uh-huh. a right. boys game um team that she she plays on and uh the other thing is you know, we really focus on players just getting better every year. You know, sure. Just keep getting better. And this year, Olivia tried out for the Olympic development team mm. uh, that's out of Portland, and she made the team. Ah. You know, so we're all. She didn't tell me about that. <laughs> T- tell me about what what led you to do that, and what did that feel like? Um, well, it's a team that's really uh, players from the whole state, uh-huh. but um, it's mostly Portland area, and it's. Uh, team, we I've already played in New Hampshire and Rhode Island a couple times, but it's a team to like um, get your play to like the next level. Sure. And yeah, and I'm playing on a girls team, so uh-huh. it's a little different. Right. And what is different about that? Is there any qualitative difference that you can kind of name or or talk about? Uh, it's a little bit hard to explain, but the boys they play differently than the girls do. Um, it's physical but like a different kind of physical okay and and when you were a kid did you um watch olympic um women's soccer did yeah. that kind of inspire you a little bit yeah <laughs> uh, i uh watch it all the time um sure yeah. Sure. And now with the internet, we see much more soccer than when I was growing up. Um, I came back from Argentina as an exchange student, and I couldn't find soccer anywhere um, to kind of watch um, back in the in, in my day. But now you can you can watch 
uh, matches all of the world. Yeah, I wake up and usually there's a soccer game going on. <laughs> That's great. I'll remind listeners to um, give us a call and share their experience or their questions with our guests as we talk about soccer and skills and people development. Give us a call at one eight six six. 625-9378 or locally 469-0500 and I'm sure there's other Acadia Fire parents or players or coaches out there. Give us a call and, and tell us your your story, um, your experience. Um, Michael, turning a little bit to the the how you're you're organized as a nonprofit and the the role of of, of parents and the other directors and how you how you fund yourselves. Uh, tell us a little about that the structure of of Acadia Fire. Well, soccer in this country has become very big business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, parents can spend. You know, not exaggerating. You know, twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year, supporting their kids' uh, travels around the country to twenty to thirty, forty tournaments. Mm. Um, and so, so obviously, we're trying to create a program where every player has a chance to play, not just those with Means, quite a bit right, of extra right, money. Sure. You know, and so we created the the nonprofit uh, so we could, you know, be available for donations and grants Mm -hmm. um, to make up the difference because our tuition does not cover all the costs of the firehouse and and all the other fees uh, that we have to pay. So uh, we do a number of fundraisers, um, the, the largest of which is called Fireworks where it's it's essentially a volunteerathon. Mm. So each player will uh find um uh people to donate a certain amount of money for every hour they volunteer in the community. Mm. Mm. So volunteering almost any any volunteer work, but any it, volunteer it work, right. but it counts. Right. So so if you find someone that says I'll give you $5 for every volunteer hour, you go out and work 10 hours, that person will give you $50. Right. And so um, last year, so we do a bunch, we do one uh, club activity where we, uh, with uh, Friends of Acadia, we did the cleanup uh-huh. on Earth Day. Yeah. Um, we cleaned up miles of road <laughs> last spring. And uh, also then each team will go off and do some work, say, at the SPCA. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's asked to do one or two hours on their own. And we had some great stories, you know, kids going into restaurants and helping to serve food and all the tips went yeah. to the yeah. the soccer player. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was, it was a, it's, you know, it was a big success, you know, because it's, it's, the community's given us so much mm. and they've given the kids so much. So it's a way for the kids to give back mm. to mm. their community because mm. we wouldn't be here without the community. Right, right. You know. So um, that that notion of kids being involved, their parents are involved, um, the community's involved, it really does feel like this community effort. It is definitely a community effort. Mm -hmm. And and soccer, and that's soccer, Mm -hmm. right? Soccer Mm -hmm. is a game where you play with, uh, you know, with 11 players working together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a a sport that's played all over the world. Mm -hmm. It brings countries together. Wars have been stopped over (laughs) soccer games. Sure, sure. You know, and it's you know allowed me to travel everywhere and, and meet different communities. It's all about the connections. Mm, mm. And in a game, you know, you're passing the ball around, you're you're developing connections around the field. So that community piece is really 
is really big, and I th- so I think it fits well with that, the fireworks, mm-hmm. you know, that type of fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So when you set yourself up as a, as a nonprofit, is that about the time you were um, investigating buying the, the firehouse, the building that you use for your practice as well, your headquarters? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at that, but we're also looking at getting our own fields. Uh-huh. Yep. There is certainly a lack of playing fields in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our highest priority mm-hmm. is to see if we can uh, develop that. Mm-hmm. Great. Would that be uh, at the same site or elsewhere? To be announced. Okay, sure. one sure. <laughs> We're talking about uh, soccer um, through the eyes of folks from Acadia Fire Soccer Academy or a football club. Um, uh, I guess they're they're saying it's it's a down east function, although the physical location is in Trenton, Maine. Michael Curlis is with us; he's the director, and uh, we have Simon Hulbert, who's a player and a coach, um, a student at University of Southern Maine, and Lilia Wire Weir uh, from Bar Harbor. Um, uh, Simon, when you um, think about the the, uh, the fundraising efforts, the the service efforts, what what were some of the, the, your memories of of doing some of that those service type projects? Um, I honestly can't remember any the, fundraising. That well, that's a new program. Oh, okay. So that's new from that's new for yeah. from Simon's time. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. back then we weren't nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. It was a much more low budget affair where we were working out of uh, gyms. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't have the same overhead costs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but since expanding to the firehouse, you know, and uh, you know, having indoor turf has you know substantially increased our. To, so did you get involved in any kind of uh, project? Uh, yeah, last spring um, I did the uh, cleanup on the side of the road. Uh-huh, yeah. And, yeah, I walked uh, a couple miles probably cleaning up trash with some teammates. And, like, every once in a while I would stop and kick a soccer ball around, like, on the right. side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> You had to. You just yeah. had to. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll remind listeners they can participate as well, giving us a call at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We have Clara on the line from Southwest Harbor. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Clara. Go ahead uh, with your question or your comment. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good what mor- a wonderful show. Thanks, you, Ron. Sure. Um, I just want to chime in that we're just such great fans of the program. Our son has been playing year-round with Michael for, since uh, since it started in the gymnasium with uh, 15 kids. And uh, he he's uh, given us a place to be and things to do year-round, um, which has benefited our whole family. And uh, our son has gone on to play all over the state, and um, we really... Uh, are so thankful that what, Michael what, has. What was, know, what, what, yeah. What was your first um, inclination to get involved? Um, did you always know that you wanted your kids to to um, be involved in a sport, or or was it soccer that drew you in? You know, it was really Michael. Uh-huh, uh, okay. My parents, my parents were familiar with his um, with Abigail and Michael, uh-huh. and you know, I am a strong believer in. That it's not just the what, you know, the the specific sport, but it's the who delivering the what. And um, Michael's background in psychology and um, his manner with the kids is just extra special mm. um, and has created a really safe environment for um, for our son to 
flourish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were if you were to advise other parents who might be listening, um, what, what, what in addition to what you've already said, um, what else might you say um, to parents who might have an interest but might be a little um, scared either about cost or um, the, the 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 level of involvement in terms of getting to practices? What would what would you say to those folks? Well, I you know I would say that for a young child, um, especially Michael is just brilliant what he can get out of little little kids mm. uh, his it's like we call him the soccer whisperer um <laughs> it's just it's, you can almost not tell that he's involved but somehow they're completely focused and they're just full of joy and engagement you know at a very young age which is really unique and then beyond that you know as henry's developed our son as a player um, we've come to recognize that actually what Michael has given him in terms of foot skills in particular is really unique in the state and, you know, and beyond. Because Henry's playing, um, he's playing on teams in New England and has done as well that um, have amazing athletes, but what the... <laughs> Henry's foot skills are always... Um, at the top of the mm-hmm. group um, because, because they just work really hard on technique mm-hmm. um, at Acadia Fire, and that is special. You know, it's also special um, that Michael developed um, offensive players um, in a, which is kind of unusual, I think. There seem to be a lot of um, great defensive players at the national level, and um, you know, on the team Henry's played with, but there's not the same confidence to um, not attack, but to challenge mm-hmm. uh, up close other offensive players. And I think uh, Acadia Five players are able to do that both because of um, the kind of levity, the lightness, and the fun that is involved. There's not this pressure to not make mistakes. So there's a lot of space for creativity and for taking risks, mm-hmm. um, but also because it gives them such great foundations in um, technique and foot skills, they're actually able to successfully um, move around players mm-hmm. offensively. So that's that's been um, a huge gift as Henry's transition to um, bigger pools of players. Claire, I actually do have to agree with you on that. I feel like Acadia Fire definitely has a very unique style of play that Michael teaches. Um, yeah. It's really focused on foot skills, being creative, being deceptive. And, um, yeah, I feel like we really stand out on a field. We don't play like other teams do. Yeah, so it's a special combination of um, just great sort of child psychology, but also, um, obviously, um, really advanced technique. So it's unusual uh, in that way. Well, Clara, thanks so much for your call yeah. this morning. Thanks, you all. Great program. Thank you, Ron. You're welcome. one 625 9378 Perhaps you've got a, a soccer story uh, to tell or a question for our guests here in the studio. Um, Michael, um, uh, You've certainly um, kind of described the process, and then you've had a, um, a parent talk about the process. You've had the experience of, of coaching your own children. Um, what's that like? And, and you've got a daughter who's who's on a scholarship because of her soccer skills. Tell us a little bit about um, that insight. 
Well, I think, you know, a lot of us, um, you know, in part are inspired to coach because of our children. Sure. You know, to meet their needs. And in my situation, it just it just kept growing <laughs> to meet the needs of all the children. Sure, sure. Um, but it, it was you know it was a great joy to coach her and my son for many years. Um, they both participated in the same programs that you know Simon and Lilia had mm-hmm. done with the two three practices a week and mm-hmm. soccer fit and and and, and you know, just applying themselves. And you know my daughter was fortunate to get a scholarship to play mm-hmm. you know Division One. Uh, my son went on to just you know. Go to an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it was just, for him it was an important event in his life, but academics were more important. Right. And we, you know, we appreciate, uh, you know, both of those. Sure, sure. You know, I, I do want to just, you know, add to what Claire was saying is that I, that is another emphasis is that we, you know, I don't believe that forwards or attacking players are just born. I, I think they can be developed. Hmm. You know, these are specific skills that you can learn from a young age and 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 express on the field mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be some kind of magic thing that just happens you know and that that is a uh, i think a weakness you know even at our national level it is hard for us to find players who can score so basically again listeners who might not be familiar with with the game so much um when we see headlines about soccer players we're often um, thinking about oh they were born to it <laughs> you know and what you're saying is they might have they may have been some inherent skills but it's a lot about specific skills that they practice especially in in, in um, the offensive or the, or the forward play yeah I mean it's it's shooting is a skill and mm-hmm. we break it down into different components and even at the youngest ages we even have Six and seven year olds now who can really strike a ball mm-hmm. with a lot of power mm-hmm. and and do the basic moves right right you know so and, and then they just get better at it and you know over over time you mm-hmm. know it, the the problem when you add a lot of pressure like I said earlier is that you're afraid to make mistakes and when you're doing attacking skills they're very tricky mm-hmm. and for the first few many times you're gonna mess it up mm-hmm. and if you have someone screaming at you. Every time you make a mistake, you're not going to try again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to rely on a, a couple safe things to do mm. for your whole career mm-hmm. as opposed to always expanding your skill set. Mm-hmm. Simon, you mentioned um, that uh, you learn a certain level of deceptive skills. Tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Um, I don't know. Faking, faking moves, that sort yes. of thing? just being like on your toes and being a step ahead of whoever's Uh defending you, Uh you know, trying to make your pass as deceptive as possible. Uh Um, I don't know. I love that. That's one of my favorite parts of soccer, just doing, like, fancy no-look passes with the outside of your foot. Uh Uh Nothing more satisfying. (laughs) Because you basically, one part of your body is saying the ball is going to go this way, but the real part, you know, the the skill is to to get it somewhere else and to make it look effortless. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the special thing about Simon is that even though he played goalie mostly, because he always played on, you know, practice with the team in high school, he actually played center midfield as well. Uh Uh He's a very skillful uh, field player. Right, right. And again, what you're saying is that you start with all all of your players with the basic skills so that then they develop later on into particular positions. Yeah, I mean, I think at the highest levels, they're looking for players who can play any position. Mm -hmm. You know, because at the highest levels, defenders just don't defend. Mm -hmm. 
they also attack. Mm-hmm. Midfielders will defend and attack. Even attackers need to defend. Mm-hmm. Goalkeepers have to play with their feet. Sure. So it's so you you want everybody to be competent mm-hmm. at all skills. Yeah. 1-866-625-9378 or locally at 469-0500 as we begin to wrap up our hour with uh, Michael Curlis and um, players and coaches from uh, Acadia Fire. Give us a call 1-866-625-9378. So, um, Michael, you talked about um, one long-range goal that you have uh, for the organization is to acquire um, um, playing fields. Um, is that and that's the major focus right now? Yes. Yeah. And also to uh, fill out our girls' program. Uh-huh. So we've had, like right now we have uh, five boys' teams. Um, and, and developing, we'll probably have two girls' teams in the spring. But it would be nice to have an equal amount mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Of, of each. Mm-hmm. Um, I, is that is – that, um, <clears throat> Um, how would you, market pre- penetration? Is that how you do that? You've just got to convince people that um, sending their their young women to the program is just as good as sending their young men. What's the what's the technique there? I, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> that's that's why it's not happening. <laughs> maybe our listeners. Maybe our listeners will have. Some well, maybe Simon will take a course yeah. in uh, club management that'll help us out. <laughs> uh, I think you know our strategy's always been to just offer a really good product. Right. And and it sticks, uh, you know. Just let it develop over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recently expanded to uh, so five and six year olds. First time we've offered program for that young mm-hmm. of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had twenty six players signed up. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge number of boys and girls who are coming into the program very early. You know, one of the things I think with girls is that they're very involved in a lot of activities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, cheering and and softball and arts and right. academics right. and basketball and you know, they're just doing a lot of stuff yep. and I think it's hard to fit in you know maybe a, a travel program that's kind yep. of more time intensive sure so well, if we get them younger yeah maybe they'll get them before they do sure sure everything else. well it's I mean there is a certain contagion you know um, excitement that happens when you have the experience and you probably are able to communicate that um, to your peers, you know, the other, the other, the friends that you have, and say, "Come along." So, what would you say to um, you know? Um, we probably don't have any um, very many young women listening to the program right now, but maybe their parents are. What would you say to them about getting girls involved? Their girls involved. Well, um, it's really fun. So, even if you're not very good at it, you can come here and become better and. Um, improve your skills and um even if you don't really like the sport you can at least play with friends and other girls your age Uh so that's probably the first thing is is that you develop friends and you can come with your friends yeah and that you don't have to be skilled to start with no that should help some people um simon what would you what what would you add to that in terms of um getting other other players to to come along board well i would say that soccer um is also more just um, like a way to stay in great shape, for instance. Um, so you could do it at just as a fitness program as well as a skill development. Exactly. Like yep. what's better, going yep. for a run or running and kicking a soccer ball around, scoring goals. We have time for a very quick call from um, Seal Harbor. Go ahead. Or Seal, Seal Cove. Hi. This is Emily Ellis. Great. And uh, thank you for having the show today. And hello to 
Michael and Lelia there. Um, I just wanted to give my two cents about Acadia Fire that I appreciate it being in our community and what is offered to my son thus far and the ability to uh, get involved in coaching and helping manage the team. And um, after coaching at the varsity level here in this community um, and being involved in soccer as a player, it's really great to see this offering in the community and um, I'm happy they're here. Great. Emily, thanks so much for calling. So um, as we wrap up, how would people find out about Acadia Fire? You probably have a website and, and contact information, Michael. Uh, yes, they could go to AcadiaFireSoccer.com and learn about our program. Uh, they can uh, email our club manager at clubmanager at AcadiaFireSoccer.com, or they could just call me directly, 664-4969. Well, thank you all for being with us this morning. Um, uh, we come to the end of the hour, and be sure to join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found on the archives of WERU. If you have comments or suggestions for topics in the future, please email us at news at weru.org. And tune in to our companion program, Coastal Conversations, with Natalie Springle of University of Maine Sea Grant from 10 to 11 on the fourth Friday each month. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnane House Highland Music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Michael Curlis, Director of Acadia Fire, Simon Hulbert of Bar Harbor, and Lilia Weir of Bar Harbor. Uh, thanks to those of you who listened and called in with your questions. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Good morning.